this is the Bayma Podcast with Marty Solomon. I'm his co-host, Brent Billings. Welcome to the beginning of Session 5 and our journey through church history. Today, we prepare for that trip by taking one last look in our rearview mirror. I like it. Welcome to Session 5. Here's some. We got a, we got a presentation. We today. do. Pull that up. We'll help you follow along. Real, real easy like. But uh, welcome to Session 5. Here's what you need to know. First of all, we're going to start off with the same recommendation we always start off every intro with, except for the intro to session one, which is if you have found this session and you have not listened to sessions one, two, three, or four, we highly recommend doing so. Is that correct, Brent? Yeah, and maybe what's more likely is you probably jumped in um, with Romans and then you've just been going forward since then through Revelation <laughs> and, and you have no idea what's going on. <laughs> and you think you do. But you've just missed you've just missed all the good stuff. You've missed all the essential goodies. The whole thing is established as a uh, consistent narrative, and we build on that from the very first episode. In fact, before the first episode, episode zero, we have our our introduction. It's yeah, essential. Everything is essential. Here's what I'm finding, Brent. Now that we're doing session five intro, we can just come to grips with reality. I've been traveling around the country a lot, meeting a whole lot of our listeners. There is a shocking amount. Maybe it shouldn't be shocking. I'm actually not shocked, but and it doesn't it doesn't quite hurt my heart, but so many that just session two just bloop. <laughs> I would say about half the people I meet are like, Yeah, I didn't listen to session two. <laughs> well they they get the guilt trip in session three because Jesus quotes it all the time. That's right. <laughs> I tell them all the time. There's some actually, I mean, it was a slog, but there are some real good goodies in there. Like two stories, two stories, one source. Talking about the prophetic table, different voices in the scripture. Oh, man, woe to those who skip session two. <laughs> horrible. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good idea to say that. Uh, maybe not. But hey, <laughs> if you've stumbled into session five and you're missing any of the previous sessions, you need to go get those. So stop what you're doing. It'd be like taking a... Yeah, it's not going to work here. I was going to say a 400-level class, but that's not going to be what this is. <laughs> it's not going to be what Session 5 is. But imagine, like, watching a movie and you only watch, like, the last 20 minutes. That's right. Don't you, do it. You don't know anything about any of the characters. Yeah. You don't yeah. know the the world that's been established. That's right. All right. So here's the deal. Session 5 is going to take us on this journey through church history. We're going to try to answer the question, where are we today and how did we get here? Because there's a whole lot of space in between where Revelation ended and where I sit now in 20-whatever, whatever year it is that you're listening to this in America or wherever, um, there's an awful lot of stuff that happened. And so we're going to try to try to take a look at that and try to understand how we got here. And at the end, we're going to take the opportunity to sum up the big ideas of our body of work and inspire us to walk it out together. So excited about that. Before I jump into that last look in the rearview mirror that you spoke of, Brent, maybe just a couple things right up front. Um, uh, first of all, just the, the the plea, the ask. We're, we're looking for financial partners. We're still looking for f- financial partners. We had an unbelievable response to our intentional ask that we made I don't know, months ago, um, but we still have a need and that support has, it came in in a rush and it has dipped significantly. And uh, so we're trying to figure out what kind of income we can count on. And we we need your support. We need you to 
to click on that donate link that's in your show notes. If our work has been meaningful to you, if you've made it all the way to session five, if you didn't skip session two, you've been on a long journey with us. And um, if that work has made a difference to you and you can spare, uh, you know, $8 a month, $10 a month, if you can spare um, $50 a month, $100 a month, you guys are making a huge difference for us. These regular givers, even $10 a month givers, if we have 100 of those $10 a month givers, that's a significant amount of monthly income. And uh, so don't underestimate what your small gift could do. I know I know a lot of our listeners are in places in their life, younger demographic, college students, loaded up with debt. I know that. Um, uh, but if there's some little bit that you can can give and contribute, it's going to really help us. We have some big plans. We have some big dreams. I know I do. Some of them I haven't even shared. They're so big. But if if we can have the support, if the financial support is there, we can do some really cool things with what we're doing here at Bayma. So, um but we'll we'll leave that up to God. We'll leave that up to God through you. And so we'd love for you to respond. And so just go to that donate link, find ministry team, click on I want to give to ministry teams. I think the link actually takes you straight to straight ministry. Straight there. Team. That'd be even beautiful. So just just go there and set up a gift to Bayma Ministry. Uh set up a recurring gift is 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 just the best blessing to us. And there's other places you can give to. You're welcome to give to the general fund. Uh, it's really hard to raise money for the general fund um, because it's just kind of like the unsexy work. It's the administrative overhead. Who wants to give to that? Gross. And some of you are like business owners and you understand administrative overhead. You understand what that is and what it takes to run an organization, even a nonprofit. And so if that's where your heart is, feel free to give to that. And there's always uh, the Solomon account. Um, if you were to dig in there far enough, you'd get to the personal staff pages and you could support the Solomon family. We just, uh, as I record this a few weeks ago, we lost one of our largest donors. It's, it's, uh, put a big dent in our income stream for our personal ministry account. So, um, there's always other places where you can give if your heart, just really, if God pulls you in that direction, uh, we appreciate support in each and every form that you choose to give it in. So it's awesome. Thank you guys. Uh, all you listeners that have started giving, you have created a whole new world for uh, literally a whole new world for Brent Billings. Uh, been a different world, Brent? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Since January of 2020. I was Brent. already doing a lot of Bama stuff on the side. So now that it is not on the side, I don't have other work and it's uh it's been great i've been able to put a lot more uh study and preparation into the podcast and uh hopefully so much more going forward as well yeah and uh, hopefully it's been good for your overall self and well-being uh yeah definitely (laughs) good well see there you go making a difference left and right and we have other things brent we have a messenger newsletter they can sign up for right we got a map with groups on it you can find a group. You can sign your group up. If your group's not on the map, let us know about it. We'll put it on the map. Um, if uh, if the map isn't accurate, if you go there and you're like, oh, hey, that's not what my group is, let us know. Help us keep the map up, map up to date. Um, Brent, you like to talk about uh, iTunes reviews, that kind of stuff? Yeah, leave us a review on iTunes or yeah. Apple Podcasts or recommend us an Overcast or wherever you listen. Uh, it helps people find the show. Yeah, all this stuff can be found on the website. Just go to baymodiscipleship.com. Spend some time, if you got, you know, 10 minutes, look around the website. You got everything from Slack workspace signups to, in the you know, in the future as we have trips, you're going to see trips on there. Uh, you're going to see uh, if I'm traveling, if I have an upcoming event, if we're hosting a weekend event, all that stuff is on the news tab. We even put up upcoming Jewish holidays so that people can learn more about Jewish holidays. The Solomon family is observing Jewish holidays. So, yeah, it's just uh, everything can be found there. So. Head there and check it out, and you'll 
You'll enjoy what you see. Anything else before we dive into the uh, short review? No. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's, All right. Let's you do it. All right. <laughs> we wore us out in the last episode there on the capstone of session four. So last episode was uh, building the entire house. This episode is uh, just putting up the framework. Just the framework. We're just going to skip a rock across this thing. So we take all the major chunks of the scripture. We give it kind of like one short little synopsis, a word or two or a phrase. And then and then if you're looking on your presentation there, you'll have just kind of like some concepts that are broken down. So let's just say first section, we're going to have Torah. Torah. The word for Torah that we have is the idea of partnership. Everything about Torah, everything about the books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy is about partnership. Genesis is about the basis of the partnership, the big ideas, meeting the characters that are involved in this partnership. Um, Exodus is the, is the part where God chooses that partner, formally chooses that partner, and the partner chooses God. There's a mutual, there's a marriage there. And then Leviticus is a def, uh, God defines the partnership. It's the definition. What is the partnership going to look like? In Numbers, God shapes his partner. God takes the partner out to the desert and shapes and molds that partner into what he wants her to be like. And then God asks his partner to remember, to remember everything that the partnership was built upon. And that was the book of Deuteronomy. The second slide you have there is the next section, which we call history. History. And we say history can be summed up in the idea of God's redemption cycle and God's patience. Redemption cycle and God's patience. We see it in Joshua when God takes his people and he puts them in the middle of the action, the crossroads of the earth. We see it in Judges and in Ruth when God's people struggle to walk the path of God and trust the story, and some do and some don't. And there's struggle and there's victory and there's failure and there's success. We see it in Samuel and Kings as God's people struggle with identity and obedience. Uh, to be people that are people of integrity and morality, but we also see it through through the lens of chronicles, where God's people struggle with with empire, um, and becoming the anti story, and injustice starts to take root and take hold. Uh, injustice is the product of of a people that have uh, have lost the plot of the story, and they forget to bless all nations, and they just try to bless self. In the midst of that struggle. Uh, the next slide there, we were we have the wisdom, the wisdom literature, the wisdom section. In the midst of that struggle, God gave us tools. God gave us tools. If we're going to survive this struggle, and this struggle isn't just like negative. It's not just struggle. It's not just the slog. It's got highs and lows and everything in between. But if we're going to make it through that well, we're going to need tools. We're going to need we're going to need we're going to need art and song for worship and expression. We're going to need to be able to like connect on something other than just a head level. And so we have the Psalms. We're going to need nuggets of conventional wisdom. So we have the Proverbs. We're going to need purpose and reason to get up every morning. There's a book of Ecclesiastes. We're going to need relationships and intimacy if we're going to survive. Song of Songs. From there, we move over to the prophets. We have warning, woes, and hope. Warning, woes, and hope. And so we had, uh, we had God uh, sending warning in pre-Assyrian or pre-Babylonian prophets. Prophets like Amos, Hosea, Micah, 1st Isaiah, Zephaniah, 2nd Isaiah. We had God pronouncing woe and judgment through prophets like Jonah or Nahum, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Habakkuk, Ovadja, Joel. And then God gives hope and encouragement to an exiled people. When you sit in exile, 
God sends prophets not to condemn you more, but to give you hope and to strengthen you. Prophets like Ezekiel and Daniel and Job and third Isaiah. And eventually, Cyrus shows up. Cyrus the Great. Uh, the Persian. And he tells God's people that they can they can go home. Some do and some don't. But it led us into the period of history that we call the remnant. And we summed up the remnant with the words returning, yearning, and learning. Returning, yearning, and learning. First of all, God's people return. They return to rebuild and restore what once was. You can see that in books like 4th Isaiah, Ezra, Nehemiah. You, you see the yearning. God's people yearn for what used to be. You can see that in prophets like Haggai or Zechariah. You can see God's people learn. So there's returning and there's yearning, but then there's learning. God's people learn that this new world demands a new approach. You could find that in books like Malachi or Esther. That, of course, led us to the end of Tanakh, the end of session two, and we walked right into the silent years, which weren't really silent at all. They're called silent because they're not in your Bible, at least not without the deuterocanical sections, not in most of our Christian Bibles. But they were far from silent. A lot of stuff goes on in this period of history. And we sum that up by talking about synagogue and Hellenism. Synagogue and Hellenism. Synagogue was, uh, it demonstrated a return to the text, a passionate return, a new education system, a devotion to becoming people of the scriptures. And that, by the time Jesus shows up on the scene, that is going to have to have found its way through a whole new uh, cultural context, a cultural setting, a cultural stage of Hellenism. Hellenism was this idea that man was the measure of all things. It kind of upended the value system of the world and of culture. It was no longer about appeasing the gods. It was now more about appeasing self. And that, at least at times, runs counter to the biblical narrative. The biblical narrative of self-sacrifice, Hellenism was very much a narrative of self-preservation. It was empire. It was not shalom. And so you had different responses. How do you respond to that? Well, you had the Sadducees, the Herodians, the Essenes, the Pharisees, and the Zealots. The Sadducees were this corrupt, they had this corrupt partnership, although they were called by God. The Herodians had this compromising idolatry, even though they were perfectly placed for God's mission. The Essenes uh, had a had an absolute devotion to, uh, uh, a commitment to the text, uh, but they were isolated. Uh, the Pharisees had a, uh, a an absolute devotion to obedience, to walking out the text, but in the midst of that commitment to righteousness, uh, at least their idea of righteousness, they, they lost compassion. And the zealots had zeal. They would actually be the one group that would go go do something physically, like get involved and get something done. The problem was, as they always used imperial means to do so, they used they used the same weapons that Rome would use to get the job done. And that led us to the Gospels, which we said was the story in flesh. So we had Torah. Uh, let's review up to this point, Brent. Uh, Torah, what was the word? Partnership. Partnership. How about, uh, what was that? History. A redemption cycle and God's patience. Excellent. Uh, wisdom. Tools. Tools. Uh, prophets. Warning, woes, and hope. Remnant. Returning, yearning, and learning. Absolutely. And and uh, silent years? Uh, the ideas of synagogue and Hellenism. Excellent. And so Gospels brings us to the story in flesh. Everything that we just talked about ends up being incarnated. Jesus takes the whole Tanakh, the whole story, the whole narrative, and he wraps it in flesh, and the narrative, the story comes and walks among us. The proper interpretation, the proper fulfillment, but, but the story itself becomes, takes on, takes on like human form in the person of the Christ. And so, and so you had these four, 
four versions of that story, the story in flesh, four, uh, four people, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John talk about the story in flesh. Matthew said the one thing that he picked up when he saw the story in flesh was that God was committed to the mumser. That was his agenda. He wanted everybody to know when I saw the story in flesh, what I saw was a God who cared about the mumser. Mark wrote to a Roman world and he, and he said, when I saw the story in flesh, what I saw was everything that Rome needs to hear. Uh, Luke said, I saw the story in flesh, and I want to give you the story right alongside of the story that we read every week. And so he writes this ordered parasha companion. John says, when I saw the story in flesh, I saw a story that was unbelievably relevant for a Greco-Asian, Greco-Roman world. That, uh, that, that we ended up living in with Jew and Gentile together, this grafted story, I saw the story in flesh. That led us to the book of Acts, because what happens when the story takes on flesh, Jesus comes and walks among us, the Christ is here, the Christ has died, uh, the Christ is buried, the Christ is risen and resurrected and leaves behind this Holy Spirit in a new special way. What happens? We get the book of Acts, which we call the epilogue of an early church. This is what happens when the kingdom of empire meets the kingdom of God empowered by the Holy Spirit. What happens is uh, people, the people of God remember their call to be a blessing to all nations. What happens is you end up having this very Jewish church in a very Gentile context. That's what you're seeing in the book of Acts. So then what are the rest of the letters? Well, the rest of the letters, the early church, as we'll call it, the early church, we're going to call that text to context text to context. First, you're going to have Paul's letters, and Paul is going to apply the way of Jesus to each unique context and setting. What what does Jesus look like in Philippi? And what does Jesus look like in Ephesus? And what does Jesus look like in Corinth? What does Jesus look like in Thessalonica? What does Jesus look like for Titus or for Timothy? That's what Paul's doing. And then the letter of Hebrews is instructing these Hebrew believers to persevere in the face of a destroyed temple. Jesus has a better way. There are other writers in this early church, people like James. James says, doing the mitzvot with a purpose, uh, guarding your tongue, not just doing the mitzvot to be saved or be justified, not just doing the mitzvot for mitzvot purposes, but understand the mitzvot is what makes faith alive and real for his Jewish reader. For a Jew to obey Torah, to walk in its way is the way that God is going to use them to impact the world. After that, you had authors like Peter and John and Jude. Peter, who wanted to talk about holy living as God's chosen people. John wanted to talk about loving others, how loving others is truth. Like loving others is the truth. That's what it is. Um, and, And then Jude, he wanted to use the Apocrypha to exhort God's people to kind of call them to a better walk, to a better way. And he wanted to use their own Midrash to get that job done. And then, and then we finally had Revelation and using the past, using the past, using Tanakh, using the text to illuminate the present, using text to illuminate the context, using text to context, using the past words, the past apocalyptic literature, the past experiences, the past story to illuminate their present experience, their present experience. So... That's a short review. It's a much quicker little journey when we do it that way, but a little bit more concise and maybe a little bit easier to like, oh yeah, I see the big, I see the, the, the long review is like the guts. It's like spending time to be like, okay, but do I understand Leviticus? Do I understand Second Samuel? Do I understand Jonah? 
the short view is like, do I see, if I back up far enough, do I see the big picture? And I always love putting this on a whiteboard. I'm a big whiteboard guy. You know this about me, Brent. Right. Love to take these reviews, the long review and the short review, and just put it all on a big old whiteboard so I can just see, I can see the story, I can see the arc, I can see the movement, I can see, we're putting these on unique slides, each one having its unique slide. I love to be able to do this on a whiteboard. I encourage you, if you're a whiteboard person, if you want to see the big picture, find a big thing of butcher paper or a whiteboard and just put this whole thing out there on a big old timeline and, and see how it looks. If you do that, send us a picture of it. Yeah. Where's Roger? Roger's been making that big old timeline for us. <laughs> I'm sure we'll hear from him. Uh, absolutely. Especially now. I don't know what he'll do with session five in church history. Woo. Love to see Roger's Schmigal. I think I said his name right this time. He had that great timeline for us. So maybe he'll uh, give us an updated version. We can drop it in there. Sounds good. All right. We're ready for session five, Brent. All right. If you have any uh, questions about the show, go to BayamontaStableShop.com. You can uh, find Marty on Twitter at Marty Solomon. I'm at EIBCB. That's a great way to send us a picture of your butcher paper or whiteboard or whatever. So thanks for joining us on the Baymont Podcast. We'll talk to you again soon.